Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jacob Harbron, who is editor of The National Interest and a regular guest um, on the Americano podcast. And we're going to be discussing, is the Trump presidency capsizing? Jacob, you wrote an excellent blog on uh, Wednesday, I think it was, after the result in Alabama, saying Donald Trump's presidency now looks in danger of capsizing completely. I mean, other than the three elections that have gone against him, what's the extra evidence for this? Well, there is also an exodus of uh, officials from his administration. I believe the turnover is three times that of what it was in Obama's first year. And mm. Omarosa, Manigault, left in the fiery departure this week. And I believe she's now going to write an expose of the administration because she was stating that there are many things that she didn't like during her year in the Trump administration. So I suspect she wants to land a nice big book deal. Mm. The other question is, if Trump doesn't have any coattails in these elections, he will not be able to either persuade or intimidate the Republican Congress into executing his will. And finally, the tax bill that he's pinned so much hopes on is in a state of turmoil since Senator Marco Rubio from Florida is now threatening that he will not support it. So it is possible that Trump will end the first year of his presidency with zero legislative accomplishments. Now, the the other theory, just quickly, is that the only person that can survive Trumpism is Trump himself, that everyone else will capsize except for him. But even in Fox News, it's interesting, his popularity among Fox viewers has plummeted in a new poll National Review talked about today from 90% to 58% this week. Do you think some of that could be the tax bill? The tax bill flouts everything that Trump stood for during the election. Mm. It is not a populist tax bill. It does not represent the Steve Bannon credo. Instead, it, it uh, rewards a very slim, slim slice of the wealthy. Mm. And it does create a corporate tax cut, which I actually think is a good thing. Yes. I, think, I think they should have been bolder. Uh, they might have considered eliminating the corporate tax completely and leaving it leaving it at that. But the problem is the whole bill has become mired in uh, various giveaways and quarreling factions within the Republican Party. It's it's swampy. And Trump is unable to exercise any leadership. So there you are. Yes, it's swampy and it's sort of stuck in the swamp, in, which is exactly what the sort of anger that got Trump elected is was all about. Exactly. That anger now appears to be aiding the Democrats. Yes. Because instead of draining the swamp, Trump has added to it. He's raised the depth level. You mentioned the Twitter spat with Kirsten Gillibrand, who's now, do you think, emerging as a, as a very serious contender for the presidency? Well, it's very early. She is clearly has her eye on becoming uh, the Democratic nominee. But who it's going to be, I think, my own guess is that they'd be better off with someone sort of the 1976 Jimmy Carter scenario, someone who's untainted by Washington, hasn't spent any time here as a politician, and that emerges as a dark horse. A Midwesterner like um, Stephen Bullock or... Or a Southerner. Or a Southerner, yeah. 
it can't be someone someone from the northeast i'd be very dubious that they could win but i mean this is probably going to be the last podcast we'll do with you this year unless trump does something very drastic which is can never be counted out you say in your post that the he's lost the the nimbus of being a winner that's right and that that is fatal for him because that was the one thing he really had yes i mean it's interesting because the Washington, the New York Times ran a long piece this week uh, by Peter Baker and several other reporters. And Trump said before he even started the presidency or once he won it, he said every day is going to be like a reality show. Mm. You know, we're going to we're going to have a loser and a winner. <laughs> That's how he approached it. And first, Trump, what Trump has done is displayed terrible political judgment. First, he backed Luther Strange in the Alabama primary, who lost to Roy Moore. Mm. Then, once he was convinced that Moore was going to win, he backed Moore. So he compounded the original sin. He's now lost twice. He also intervened on behalf of Ed Gillespie in the Virginia governor's election. Yes. Not as vociferously, but he did. So he has suffered a string of defeats. And the greatest danger for Trump is he wanted Roy Moore in there as a loyal Trump senator. The Republican Party is now eyeing Trump even more warily. So the question is, Trump wanted to destroy the establishment Republicans. Will they end up destroying him? Mm. Are we seeing, in fact, a resurgence of the Republican establishment? Is Mitch McConnell going to win this war against Steve Bannon? Do you think that another factor that should be counted is something we see in Britain, too, that the, the grassroots left is just far more potent and powerful than anyone realizes both in both countries well trump has succeeded in animating the left or reanimating it i should say mm. but it's also the case that many moderate swing voters voted for trump and and put him over the top in 2016 and a suburban white women voted for trump mm. now we see them defecting en masse to the democrats the mistake that Trump made when he began his presidency was to move radically and sharply to the right. Any president who really wants to be successful, he has to continue appealing to that middle-of-the-road voter. And Trump tried to defy the political odds. And now it appears that he's being gravity is exerting himself. And on the, in the, within the Republican Party, the never-Trumpers are beginning to sort of lick their lip. Is that fair to say? I think they are starting to lick their chops. Um, I wrote a long story for the New York Review of Books about the battle between the never-Trumpers and the pro-Trump intellectuals. Yes. And there's no question that this does put some wind in the sails of people like Bill Kristol, Peter Weiner, and others who... And even at the National Review, there's people like Jonah Goldberg who are violently opposed to, to Donald Trump and see him as a mendacious figure. Mm. But ultimately, the true judges of Trump will be the senators. And Trump, he doesn't show any signs of being able to reinvent himself. That's really what he would have to do. I mean, other presidents have had catastrophic starts, including Bill Clinton. And they managed to regroup. Trump would have to fire a lot of people in his White House and put in a real political team. But he wants to govern by shooting from the hip and acting as a chaos agent. Yeah. I don't think that's a viable political strategy. And you, you saw it in Britain, too, when he started uh, denou denouncing Theresa May and others. I mean, he, he reacts based on emotion and narcissism rather than forethought. 
Yes, it, it works in an insurgency, but it doesn't work in a presidency. Is that what you're saying? It can't. Well, Jacob, I'm going to ask you to make a prediction of what will happen in the midterms next year. I, Hugh, I've thought early on that now it's becoming conventional wisdom, which is always dangerous, but mm. sometimes conventional wisdom is correct. I do think we're headed towards a landslide victory for the Democrats for two reasons. The first being that the Republicans, if they just let Trump be Trump, uh, that has a galvanizing effect on the Democratic electorate. And mm. it is created so much disgust with him that it is tarring and tainting the Republican brand. Voter identification with the GOP is down 7% since Trump became president. That means while the base of Republicans may remain loyal to Trump, there are fewer Republicans in total. Yes. And the other part is that I think the Democrats did learn their lesson from 2016, and they are focusing on grassroots activism and getting people out to vote rather than relying on simply denouncing Trump. And they're not getting caught up in ideological battles, internal battles either. So the Democratic Party is still structurally weak, but I think it is recovering. And so you think House and Senate? The House, almost definitely. The Senate will not be easy, but the fact that the Democrats could win in Alabama even is astounding. Yeah. And it's, it is, in fact, sending chills down the spines of Republicans. Yes. And it means that if Steve Bannon does succeed in running fringe candidates in Nevada and elsewhere, the Republicans are likely to lose those seats. So you could see some people are even predicting complete realignment or the, the implosion of the Republican Party and a new party emerging from it. One, one theory being that uh, the wealthy may move to the Democrats and a new, whatever it would be called, party would simply be a real pure populist party opposing them. Yes. I mean, do you think in a way that that's happened already? Last year in your writing, you talked about the, sort of the corpse of the Republican Party. I remember you saying Trump was trampling all over the corpse of the Republican Party. I mean, do, do you think to an extent we're already dealing with a dead party or a defunct, dysfunctional party? Well, it's still a big party. It's a wealthy party. It has astute political analysts, mm. great political operatives. What happened was that the legacy of George W. Bush in the Iraq war created the environment in which a figure like Trump in the primaries was the only one who really was telling the truth. Yes. I mean, the great virtue of Trump was to say that many Republican shibboleths were nonsense. Yes. And he had no compunction about denouncing wars abroad and the, uh, the perils that, uh, of, of Republican corporatism and so forth. Mm. But now he seems to have become a hostage of D.C., well, Jacob, I think we'll wrap it up there, but Happy New Year and Happy Christmas. Same to you, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator Moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer. <laughs>